everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hey, everybody. I am Nancy, the Chief Flying Pig Wrangler. I help entrepreneurs and business owners who know they have to make a move, but they don't want to just move to do something. They want to make it in a more sane, strategic, and systematic way and stop spinning their wheels. I know our guest today has some insight into that. So grab your pens and paper and get started taking notes. It's going to be good. I can guarantee it. Welcome, Joey Donovan Guido. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Uh, I say Guido. Guido? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, Joey. Tell us who you are and why you're here today. Well, yeah, Nancy, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, as you said, my name is Joey Donovan Guido, and I'm the owner of a company called Cuppa SEO Web Design. Uh, and as you might imagine, we focus on web design, custom web design at the business. Uh, but I also do uh, consulting and speaking. And uh, not that long ago, I published a book called A Holistic Guide to Online Marketing which really is super, it's kind of a 400 page tome, which tells you kind of how to do what we do. Uh, and I thought that was really important because some, some people don't have a budget to hire a firm. I wanted the fledgling companies to be able to do it themselves in, 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 a, in the right effective way. I love it. That sounds great. Where do we find this? Do we find it on Amazon? Yeah, the book's on Amazon and there's also information about it on, on my uh, website. Super. One of the reasons that we connected is because I am always looking for people who can share their journeys in the business world, especially when they are dealing with either for themselves or for family members with those dreaded things called chronic illnesses. And yeah, so many of us, I, I just heard a staggering statistic yesterday that one in four adults now in the United States have at least one chronic illness. Wow. And I just, it doesn't surprise me, but it's just amazing. And many of those people can no longer go out to do the whole nine to five thing. So what do they do? We, we still, I've got it. I, I know you've got it. We're going to talk about that. And, you know, we still have a lot to offer the world. We just can't do it in the, I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning and run until midnight, seven days a week and was ready to go again the next morning. Well, you know, at seven o'clock these days, the alarm clock goes off and I go, I didn't want to stay in bed. You know, it's not, it's not the same old world. And there's no way that I could have gone into work and worked a whole nine to five day. I'm tired by one o'clock in the afternoon and I'm ready to take a nap. But you mm -hmm. know, if I was working for a boss, I don't think they'd appreciate that. <laughs> So, you know, I personally, I've been in business for almost 40 years for myself, so I don't have to worry about that. But a lot of people up until COVID were still trying to deal with the nine to five. And, you know, I am looking at trying to help them figure out how they can do it on their own. And one of the things that you talked about in your application was 
how to find and train freelancers to handle things that you yourself cannot do. And that's one of my biggest things. I say, if you can't do it yourself, do what you love doing and let somebody else do all of the rest of it. What are your thoughts on that? That's absolutely true for for me and my team. And as far as that's concerned, it's interesting because I, I have Crohn's disease and I've had Crohn's since 1998. Um, and at that time, I thought I was going to die. I lost like, I'm, I'm, I'm usually 160 pounds and I went down to 115. So it was, it was pretty bad. I wasn't sure if I had cancer or what. And I had was part of a family business, which that kind of woke me up getting sick like that. Um, but, you know, kind of moving forward, I was doing okay with running the business until my wife got sick on top of my illness. Why hire someone? So oh, that yes. You thank you. Do the things that you want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a great question because, you know, when, when I started, it was just me and I did everything. Uh, and then I had one web developer, Jared, who is the gentleman who built my website. Uh, now we have a team of 10. And it's a great question because what I find is with business owners, especially if they could be around for a long time, but they're more like sole proprietors, they have this notion that they have to do everything themselves. And up into a point that's true, right? Because there's no budget and maybe there's not enough work even to start passing things on. Like you need to kind of have all that income be yours. But there comes a point, and this is what I found pretty early on, where not having help actually loses you money and you start to become stressed. And if you have a chronic illness, that just exacerbates the illness, right? Whether it's autoimmune or a mental health or whatever. Uh, and you start to go down a spiral, which makes it harder for you to do your work. So you're getting less done and the quality is not as good. And I think it's super important to stop and say, you know what? like you said, Nancy, what's on my plate right now that I can pass on to somebody or train somebody to do with the hopes that maybe they'll even do it better than me. The interesting thing that happened with me is I pass off a ton of the work of the minutia to my team, and I still can't keep up with my own workload. So you wind up just shifting to, to different things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know I've had, for most of my time in business, I've had employees and the IRS hopefully isn't listening because <laughs> they're not really employees uh, for a while back years and years and years ago they were employees but for for a long time now I've hired contractors I've hired freelancers I've used something as simple as Fiverr and Upwork to get a project done you know a one-off kind of thing and I am not a graphic designer I am not someone who I love tech, but I get so frustrated with it when it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I just go nuts. So, hey, if you want to handle my tech for me, please do it. Let me be the trainer, the podcaster, and you do all the back, you know. And it's scary in the beginning because, like you said, there may not be a lot of money coming in. And, oh, my goodness, what do I do to pay these people? Well, in the beginning, there are things that you can do. There is bartering sometimes you can use. There is uh, just take it out of your own pocket in the hope that it's going to eventually turn into a moneymaker because if I had to sit and do my own graphics, if I had to do my own tech, I'd close the doors tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, so there just wouldn't be a business because I have to do it myself. So, so how do you find the right freelancers? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question too. Just just to back up to to agree with you about you know how to to kind of reaching out to them. I think one thing that's really important is kind of looking at your return on investment with that particular person or people. And for us, you know, I my philosophy is always to pay my contractors. Everybody is a contractor except for me. Uh, they treat the business as if they own it, which is awesome. They really honor it. But I'm I'm a proponent of paying people more than uh, maybe what others might pay them. And, but I also make sure that what I'm charging my client gives me enough return so that I can pay my people and then still have a nice profit margin. With me, it's about a third goes to my people and two thirds stays with me, which I'm told from colleagues is pretty good and it works and we're still charging the client a fair amount. So how I find people is interesting. It's kind of evolved over the years. To start, I usually ask friends and colleagues who I trust. That's what I would do. Sometimes it would be people like, like Jessica has been working with us for years. She's somebody that, who was a client years ago, but I knew she was really good at what she did. I knew she had some changes in her life. So I said, hey, you want to join the team? And, and she did. But probably the best process I have found is going on LinkedIn. I'll put like a post on there with specifics. And sometimes people will see it and say, yeah, uh, I know somebody or I do that. But with very little effort, what I found is that if you go on LinkedIn and you have specific criteria that you're looking for. So let's say I'm looking to hire another web developer. I need people who understand JavaScript, WordPress, CSS, things like that. So I do, I do search queries for these things and then I get results. And I just kind of sit there and look through them or have one of my people look through them for good matches. Sometimes it's people who are a perfect match, but they've got a full-time job. Okay. They're not a good re person to reach out to, but sometimes there are people who own their own business. They're web developers, they're freelancers, or they'll even say in their LinkedIn page, you know, looking for opportunities. Then I just reach out to them with a little note and say, Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do. And I'm looking to partner. That has been how I found uh, probably the last two or three of my web developers. It's either that, or really just, just asking my network. That makes a lot of sense. And I know I just went through a nightmare over oh, the no. last couple of months because my wonderful assistant of over 10 years finally decided to retire. I don't understand why, <laughs> but that left me just flailing around dog paddling because I had gotten to the point where, and this is a lesson guys. Always know you don't necessarily have to do the work yourself, but at least know what is going on. Because when I lost her, I'm looking at all of my marketing. I'm looking at all of my back-end operations, my MailChimp, my Acuity, my, you know, Eventbrite, all of that and going, how do I do this? You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And um, put out in a, several places on LinkedIn and on Facebook, I put out, you know, a request. I'm saying, I need help. <laughs> and I, and I actually went through two companies before I found the right person. Knock on wood. I hope I found the right person. <laughs> but the first one we tried was overseas, you know, trying to keep it in the pocket a little bit. And the time frame was just 
horrible, the difference, the 12 hours difference. And she was up and working when we were sleeping and we were up and working when she was sleeping. We couldn't, we had no communication. Things were horrible. Things didn't get done. And I said, this isn't going to work. So I had to let her go. Then I hired an agency here in this country, paid them, gave them work to do and sat there for three weeks waiting for work to be done. Mm -hmm. And not one thing happened because I wasn't their main concern. I was a small job in this big company. So then I finally just reached out to my local community and I found a wonderful young lady who is local. She's here. I could talk to her. We're the same time frame. She knows what she's doing and she's doing a great job. So you need to, you need to know, I mean, do you know how to do everything in your company and you just give it off to somebody else to do because that works best for you? I would say no, because I'm not a coder. Um, so my, so my, with that, my role is I, I'm, I'm really good with user experience and conversion. Those are fancy words uh, in the web design world. But, you know, I, I, can, I can tell the developer what it should look like. I can tell the client why it should look that way. And that happens in discussion to understand what, what their needs are. But really, no, I couldn't code. I couldn't code. But you bring up a really good point because you said, mentioned finding the right person. And for me, that, that means different things depending on different roles. So with the web developer, that's the hardest one because one, they have to gel with, with my, my philosophy, how, how we do business, how we treat our clients, which really is like family. That's the philosophy. And, but they also really need to know their stuff. Now, the difference is if someone comes in and they're a good writer and they don't know SEO and SEO is search engine optimization, that's one of the main things we do to help people get found on Google, I can train them. When it comes to the writer, it's more about, you know, is it a good match with the relationship and are they a good writer? Because I, I can train them with the rest of that stuff. Uh, and oftentimes, even when people say they know it, they don't, they, don't, they don't know it to the depth that our team knows it. So they need to be trained anyway. Yeah, but that's a good question was how much, how much do you know? And that brings up another thing is like, well, there might be things you want to branch out into for your business. Um, like in my case, it was early on, it was web design. I didn't know how to do that. So you find the right people. But knowing what's going on, to your point, Nancy, is super important. One, because if that communication is happening and questions are happening, then you can avert problems. And you also, you know, sometimes, sometimes like what happened with you, someone gets hired that is not doing the job you expect. And if you're just assuming and hoping that the right things are happening, you could just be just throwing money away. Not saying we need to micromanage, but with me, it's always like that open door policy. So if, so if a team member has an issue, whether it's personal or about a project, they know they can call me, text me, whatever. Um, and there's no fear about saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, whether it's a deadline or part of the project. And we work it out together. Handing it off doesn't mean, hey, this is yours now. Don't bother me. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I told this young lady who's now working for me, because I know she doesn't know everything I do. She's excited to be learning. She wants to learn. She's willing to do the research, you know, and I said, you've got a question, call me, you know, send me a text. We use Slack. Slack is a wonderful communication mm -hmm. tool because we can just type it out and it's there. And as long as they're not, and I don't know how to say this, but um, 
they're fine asking questions. I don't want them to ask the same question 50 times. <laughs> 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 you know, but um, take notes. You know, if when I'm talking to you, sit and take notes and, and write things down. Um, but, you know, it's I'd rather have somebody who says, I need some help. Can you please show me what you're talking about? Then someone who, and the other thing I told her is I said, this is what I'm concerned about is the end result. Now I may do it in such a way to get to this result. You may look at it and say, well, why are you doing it that way? Do it this way. You know, as long as the end result is what I want, mm -hmm. I I don't really care how it's done as long as it's done with integrity, honesty, and caring. I don't want someone to go in and rip off somebody else or, you know, whatever. They need to do it properly. But if they know a tool, if they know a strategy that's different from what I know, that's going to get me the same end result. That's all that I care about. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's exactly, everybody's brain works differently. So it's really about honoring our own process and someone else's. I think it's our role to, if we need to teach them how we do it and then let them kind of morph it. One of the things I've, I've done over the years is I have process sheets or training, training materials. So I'll do usually, uh, you know, a few, a few trainings uh, in person or over Zoom, which the team member can record. We can record it want. And also I give them, you know, written collateral that they can refer to. So while they're doing it, it's actually step-by-step. Step. Here's how I do it. So mm -hmm. they can refer to it if they forget, because, you know, sometimes you do something and then all of a sudden two or three months pass before you have to do it again. How'd I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do things often using Loom as well, because Loom is really great at, at helping you create management documents and, and showing, you know, step-by-step -step ways of doing things. And, and I love the Zoom and Loom type processes because they, they actually allow you to, to show what it is you're doing. So I think you're right on, on, on having those training programs for your clients. Let's turn it a little bit. You've got these people who are doing their jobs for you. You can focus on doing your own work. You don't have to worry about what else is out there, but you still need to set realistic goals for things. How do you set a realistic goal, especially when you're dealing with chronic illness? Mm. That's a fantastic question. And that's, that's something that I, I <laughs> struggle with every day. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Yeah. So, so kind of swinging back, my business is almost 10 years old. And luckily for me, knock on wood, for the most part, my Crohn's is under control. You know, I am fatigued from it. I do often have discomfort in my gut. You know, if, for those of you who, who don't know, Crohn's is an autoimmune disease, which can often cause, you know, pain, discomfort, bloating, things that are just unpleasant, you know. Um, but along with that, you kind of get drained of energy and get kind of tired from it. So I've kind of learned a lifestyle, uh, which includes meditation and exercise and avoiding certain foods that has kind of allowed me to function fairly well. And then until about four years ago, when my wife got hit with pretty hard with fibromyalgia, in addition to type two diabetes and realistic goals, that's a hard one because I have very high aspirations and expectations of myself. And I think most business owners do, uh, or most people who are interested in growing as, as human beings, as well as professionals. Uh, just to kind of lay this out, if that's okay. My day now consists of uh, self-care in the morning. 
Uh, and then I am right now the cook of breakfast <laughs> and I hate cooking, but it's my job. I've accepted that. But I'm also working on solutions to that because this comes back to goals and expectations of oneself and others and working on being less rigid with what you think has to be as opposed to options that you might have. And sometimes we don't see the options like hiring some people for help or examining our business and saying, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on X, Y, and Z and it is bearing no fruit. So am I doing something wrong or should I just cut this out of my business? Because it's kind of a waste of time to have a goal uh, when something's just not working, we need to examine it. So my day, my work day is usually about four to five hours straight and I'm working during that time. So it's not a bad amount of time, but I, I go home for kid time, wife time, family time, and I'm the domestic <laughs> engineer, as they call it, cooking dinner and stuff. So it's the long-winded way to say that my goals have shifted tremendously. And I often feel like if I had more time to work on my business and my goals, I'd be a lot more far ahead. And I hope I'm answering your question because it's kind of a long-winded answer. No, please. You're good. Yeah. Go for it. I, I kind of have split. Uh, Monday is my work on my business day where I will look at the top priority for my business, whether it's adding a web page or writing a blog post, things like that, because I've got to think about long-term, how am I connecting with customers so more customers actually show up, right? And the rest of the week, for the most part, is working on client work. And I've had to kind of take a step back and accept that my goals need to be broken down into smaller bite-sized steps. So for instance, we're talking today because I only do two podcasts a month. Would four be better? Yeah, of course. I'd be helping more people, getting in front of more people, but it's too much. Right? So I've got I've to have a goal to answer your question like globally that I can actually accomplish so I don't feel like crap about myself. Right? So it's really about looking in the mirror and saying, what, what can I handle? And accepting like, yeah, I might want to handle this much, but I just can't because of family, because of illness. I, I agree totally. You know, it, it is, I used to have, and, and I am a big proponent of setting goals, writing my goals down, writing mm -hmm. the to-dos out that are going to get me to the accomplishment of those goals. But I might have said seven years ago, I might have said, I want to go from zero to a hundred thousand dollars in three months time. That means I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to, well, now I'm going, that's totally unrealistic. You know, I might be able to do it in six months. And so then that, that elongates my to-dos and, and all that. And you have to be okay with that. And as I was saying earlier, I am a perfectionist. I am somebody who go, 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 goes. And for me to actually say, I'm taking time off today because I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. It's hard. But you have to be realistic and you have to look at your body and at the world around you, your micro world, what, you know, these four walls that I'm in and what I'm dealing with. And I have to say, if I put in everything that's required to put in to get to that $100,000 in three months time, the next six months, I'm going to be better in the hospital, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I look at that as acceptance, right? Acceptance, not, not, not laying down and saying, okay, nothing I can do, but acceptance, like this is where I'm at right now. This is where I'm at. 
and it might not be where we want to be. It might be an awful feeling, but resisting where we're at and trying to quote unquote push through. And even if we succeed, like you said, and get to that 100K in three months, what have we given up? What have we sacrificed? Whether it's health or relationships, long-term, we might have destroyed. I always think of Johnny Cash, and this is going way back, but the man was so so bent on success that he like lost his marriage, right? His first marriage. We may have that success of the money, but we may be failing in other aspects of our life. And I always think of Zig Ziglar, and he's one of my mentors, and he always talks about this balance and you know, there's times when we're really working on business, there's times where we really have to focus on ourselves or our families. And my goal is always to try and have, you know, a decent amount of balance in each day. And, and remembering that, remembering that, you know, if we kill ourselves and meet our goal, then wow, <laughs> we've really failed. That's right. I mean, that's exactly it. We, we've succeeded in meeting our goals, but we failed in, in life and in everything around us because we're not going to be able to reap the benefits of completing that goal because we're sick. We're in the hospital where we're, we've lost our business because something along the way is screwed up and we weren't able to manage a fire when it came up or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that actually brings up Another question, which you touched on barely just a second ago, and that is how do we deal with the emotions that get brought up with that? For me, the emotion is I want to succeed. I want to be out there. I want to be doing this. I want to be helping people. I want to be going, 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 and I can't do that. And that makes me angry. It makes me frustrated. I want to go out and strangle the guy that hit me and caused the car accident. Mm. <laughs> you know, how, how do you deal with the emotions of knowing that you have to look at things differently than you used to? Yeah, well, that's I can relate to what you're talking about. And I think two things. One is, I think, I don't know how it is anywhere else, but I think in America, there's kind of like this suck it up attitude, right? Just suck it up and do it. And to me, that is a bologna sandwich. You know, when, when, and I remember being a kid and like my dad telling me, suck it up, just go do it. And it's like, you know what? Hold on. When we take that attitude with ourselves or others, we're not honoring how we're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually, or all three. And you know what, that, that needs to be dealt with. I think these days, mental health gets talked about more. And that suck it up attitude, all that does is kind of beat ourselves and others down. And what I do, and it, it's a challenge, is I really try to do a couple things. It's really interesting that you asked this. The first thing I do is I look to check in with myself, especially as a man. You know, men aren't supposed to have all these different emotions, but you know what, they're there. <laughs> whether we accept it or know it or not cognitively, they're there. So first thing I do is I check in and I do this quite often. How am I feeling right now? And what that does, it helps put me in a place of awareness. Sometimes it's, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Oh, I'm feeling tired. Sometimes it's multi-layered. Like, yeah, my, my Crohn's is bothering me and I'm upset because my wife is having a bad day and she's been in bed and she had to cancel her, her client appointments. She's a massage therapist. So there's a lot of layers. And with that, this emotion becomes very kind of cloudy and hard to understand what's going on. So taking that moment to be in awareness helps identify it. And then what I've been doing more, really just the past couple of weeks, is doing my best to kind of sit with that and maybe process it. You know, this is how I'm feeling. And just, you know, it feels like a lot of baggage. 
how can I either kind of let go of resisting some of these things, not get rid of them, right? I want to not feel. That's the first thing is I want to not feel this way. That's not healthy and that doesn't happen, but accepting how I'm feeling helps disperse it. Another way of looking at it is, you know, you know, am I resisting how my wife is feeling, how I'm feeling? Some days I'm in the office and I feel like a loser. I'm like, man, I'm just not doing a good job. And it's like, I've got to deal with that because you know what? I am doing a good job. I might not be getting the results I want in this moment, but as I process it, I'm like, well, am I showing up? Yeah. Am I doing my best? Yeah. Are the results happening right this second? No. And that's a hard pill to swallow. So that's the crux of what I do. and, 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 And I'll do that oftentimes through this process of checking in, being in awareness and looking at it, processing it, letting it go. A lot of people call this mindfulness meditation. And if this feels like foreign to you as a listener, if you're saying, man, how the heck do I do that? Because that's where I was at at one point. There are some great people out there. There's a gentleman named Eckhart Tolle who really helps put a lot of these things into words and actionable steps. And there's a gentleman that I mentioned earlier, Zig Ziglar. He kind of he kind of addresses all these things more from a cognitive slash emotional point of view. But I'll tell you, if if you have Apple Music, you have access to Zig Ziglar, and this man will change your life. No joke. You can listen to this guy, and you could be feeling down in the dumps and be in the dumps, and you can listen to him, and you start to have hope again. Yeah, he's great. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. Yeah, because. I I agree with you totally on what you're saying, but I think there's a fine line that we're walking and I picture, I'm a great visual picturer (laughs) (laughs) and I see somebody, you know, walking on this balance beam and and on the one side, they're overachieving and on the other side, they're not doing anything. And a lot of people lately that I've been talking to are using their chronic illness as an excuse. They haven't come to terms yet with, okay, I've got something, I can't work the way I used to, but I still want to get out there and do something. So they check in, as you said, and they say, yeah, I don't feel good today. I'm just going to blow off work. I'm going to go watch TV. Next day, they check in. I don't feel any better. I'm not going to do anything today. That can become depression. It can become a really good way to see your business just totally fall into the trash heap and you don't do anything because you get to the point where you don't even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. How do you balance you know, there, there are times when I don't feel good and I say, okay, I'm going to take the day off. That's fine. But then there are other times when I knew I, today, I knew I had this podcast. I am not, unless I'm absolutely in extreme pain, I'm not going to cancel an appointment that I have with somebody. So I get up, I get my shower, I get dressed, I come in here. Yep, it's time for the podcast. I'm doing it. Now I may go back to bed after we're done, (laughs) you know, but I know that there's something that can't be put off that needs to be done. And I, I do push through, I do suck it up to get that done. 
what are your thoughts on that? Because like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate here. You know, yeah. you, you got both sides of this issue here. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I, I like it. So, so two things come up for me. One is it makes me think about all of my clients and what, whether they're healthy, young, old, dealing with tons of health issues and we're on the gamut of that. We're all human beings, right? So but what, what it makes me think of just from a business standpoint, if you'll humor me for a second, you know, one of the things we like to do is set people up. So things are kind of like not so much automated, but so things like your website kind of works for you. So you don't have to make an effort if you're out there as a business person and, and you've got an illness that gets in the way that is this huge hurdle that's debilitating uh, or maybe causes depression, which I think any of us who have an illness can often find depression is, is an oppressive presence in our lives. You know, if, if you can have it so that like in our case, you know, if you work with us and we're optimizing your website, doing something called SEO, uh, making a great experience when someone shows up there, you don't have to do anything. People are showing up when they search for what you do. And then they're, they're getting in touch with you because they feel comfortable when they get there. Uh, so that's just one thing looking at businesses differently. A lot of people think they got to be grinding it out every day on social media and this and that. And it's like, right. And you have limited energy and time and you've got the pain. So what things can you do that you don't have to do more than once? So if you do need to go in bed, that guilt factor lightens because you know what? I paid for my optimization. I know people are getting in touch. I'm going to lay down right now because that's what I need to do. Easier said than done sometimes, Nancy. So just from a business standpoint, I like to look at what are solutions we can put into play. So no matter how we're feeling that our business is growing. The flip side of that, I think a really good example is my wife. Uh, her name is Kara. And she, she runs a massage therapy slash shamanic healing practice here in Madison, Wisconsin. Like you mentioned, she's got to get up, shower, get dressed, show up and use her body which is often in pain or in extreme fatigue to help others. And she has been a great inspiration to me because she has learned this balance of how do I feel today? Okay, I don't feel so great, but I'm not paralyzed like I was four years ago. And every day she has to make a decision in my, do I feel well enough to go help my clients or to go shopping for my family? And what we've done, and this was really hard for me, was one of the gifts that her illness gave me, but it was really hard because I want to fix everything. I want to take care of everything. You know, I, I want to be that kind of husband and dad and man, allowing her the space to do it or not do it. If she is like going to go shopping for the family, because she doesn't want me doing everything, I need to give her space to do that. And also the ability or the, the quote unquote permission to say, you know what, honey, I don't feel well enough to shop today. Can you do it? I'm kind of answering your question in a roundabout way, but you know, I, I think we all need that sounding board. We need somebody, whether it's, it's hard when it's ourselves and we're putting pressure, but it's kind of gauging it. Where am I at right now? And am I using my illness as an excuse or am I trying too hard? What do you think though? I mean, because you're, you're in the same boat and you mentioned to me in our conversation, you know, that, that your husband does a lot of things and there's, you know, how, how do you handle those days? It's hard. And I quite often will still do the suck it up, <laughs> you know, it's just, I've got to do it. But it's interesting to me because it's something burning in my core that says, this is your existence. This is who you were born to be is to do this. And so when I don't feel good, it's really hard for me to say, okay, I'm going to take the day off. Mm -hmm. But I also know that 
if I do overwork, I am going to go into a flare. And where I could have taken a three-hour nap in the middle of the afternoon and been back at it later in the day, I'm now going to be in bed for a week because I screwed up, Yeah, you know? So it's allowing yourself the grace to say it will get done. And, and I recognized something in my husband that you were just talking about, and it drives me nuts. And that's he wants to do everything for me. I can't even walk out to the car carrying my own purse. He's gotten to the point where he says, does this purse match my outfit today? You know, and, and all of these kinds of things. And I said, would you please let me carry my own dang purse? Mm. <laughs> you know, because he just wants to do everything. And there's still something inside that says, you can't do these things. You know, no, I can't drive a car any longer. No, I can't go ice skating or sledding or tobogganing or, you know, go for two, two mile walks. I can't do those things. And and I can understand that I can't do those things. But when it comes to something that's ingrained in you, you still want to do it. And it's really difficult to not be able to do it. And I think it takes time and, and patience with ourselves. Yeah. Patience, kindness, gosh, how hard is it to be kind to ourselves? And that branches out to others, right? If we're frustrated and I, I agree with you. I, I feel like exactly the same way. There are certain things I am meant to do in this lifetime. And the biggest thing is to help others do what I do every day in the, in the household and in my business to help others. That is, I get paid to make a living to help others. It's not the other way around. Right. right. And, and same with my wife, she gets, she feels really angry. You know, she wants to be able to work with four or five people a day and she does one or two because that's all she can handle. And if she doesn't honor that, she comes home and she's a wreck. And then sometimes for more than one day, as you mentioned that you have the same issue. And I, it's just, it's good we're talking about this, right? Because there are no easy answers. Sometimes there are no answers. And it's just about, you know, working through these things in the best way we can. Just the other day, I was really down on myself, really, and had done nothing wrong. But it was like a, it was just one of these things that day, everything kind of hit me a certain way with my wife's health, with my health, with how much I was accomplishing for the business. And I just felt awful about myself. Just, and this is not to toot my own horn because I was pretty down and I was pretty irrational. But I, I looked at myself and thank God I had the wherewithal to say, what can I do right now to get out of this pit? that I kind of dug for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I went and meditated and I, I didn't really feel any better. You know, I felt a little better. I went to bed, I put my earphones in and you're gonna laugh because here comes again, Zig Ziglar. I listened to Zig for about a half hour and it helped. It helped so much. And the situation, the illness and all that was still the same, but my mental positioning my or my attitude changed. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's real hard though. It's it real hard. It is. And I think probably the biggest part of this message needs to be that no matter, I mean, I've had chronic issues for 30 years. 
the last one, the hit and run car accident has been the worst. And that was seven years ago. So to me, it's still like yesterday, but mm. I've been there for a while. So even though I've had these things going on for a very large part of my life, I'm still figuring it out. The doctors still don't know what all is wrong with me. I still keep going back and having them say, well, that test came out negative. We're going to have to do this or, you know, so it's not easy in so many ways, but by, by hearing this message, people know that they're not alone. Other people have things too. And that when we look at it like that, we know that for the most part, these, some of these are, but for the most part, most of these disabilities and illnesses are not life-threatening. They're life-altering. And we have to understand that we can do things differently and maybe make them better. But other people are out there doing the same things and having the same issues as we're having, so we're not alone. And I think that to me is important. I agree. I, agree. I used to do a dad blog. It's still out there, but I don't blog. It's, a, it's called Daddy Brain. Uh, and I started it when we moved out to Wisconsin from New York and our kids were little. And that was, I would end every single blog post with, you are not alone. Uh, that is a great point. And it's true. And, you, and I think sometimes we feel alone. And there are many people like us who are struggling with similar things or very different things that cause the same emotions. And, you know, for me, uh, I'm not an overly religious man, but I am very spiritual. And I often put all this stuff on my shoulders. And then I realize, what am I doing? I've got spirit. I've got the universe to help. And let me just ask for help. And, And for me, that always shifts things. And I find that things start to resolve themselves when I don't feel like I have to carry the whole load alone. And sometimes that means asking my kids to do something or saying to my wife, Hey, I can't do this. I can't cook tonight. So what are our options? Let's do takeout. Let's do bagels or whatever. There was something you said that got me really thinking. And it's about like doing, doing things differently or making things better. Looking for ways to, you keep saying about like, you suck it up anyway. And I think sometimes we got to do what we got to do, but there are ways to do that still. And there still be many layers going on, right? So we're still doing it, but that doesn't mean we can't acknowledge how we feel about it. And it doesn't mean we have to say, boy, are we weak because we feel this way. And, you know, what I found is that we can have multiple layers of emotions and experiences at the same time. And boy, can that be confusing? Like if I'm with my boys having a good time doing something like taking a walk, but at the same time feeling depression because my wife is in bed, not feeling well and missing her on that walk. And also maybe at the same time feeling some Crohn's symptoms and feeling like, man, I'd rather be running right now. So it's like, you know, these things stack, right? And that's okay. It's okay for the, all those things to exist at the same time. And that, that was something very like mind-blowing to me. Absolutely. And I just looked at the clock. We are way over. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's fine. I mean, you know, man, I've just been sitting here eating all of this up and it's been fantastic, but I am going to have to wrap this up. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joey. I mean, often after a podcast, people want to know, they don't want it to end. And they want to know more things about what you do with your business and what we do at Business Success Unlimited. 
excited. And the, all of that information is going to be in the show notes. If you like what you've heard today, you can let us know, comment on, you know, on the bottom of the, of the uh, post. Let other people know that you've heard this. Let me know the kinds of topics that you want to listen to and learn from going forward. And if you want to have more information about what I can do to help you, I know you can hop on a Zoom call with me at Nancy at zoomwithnancyb.com and we'll talk again soon. And I will also put, Joey, I'll also put your information in the show notes. I'm sure that if someone's interested in learning more about what you do, they can give you a chat out too, right? Absolutely. Super. All right, guys. Thank you. I really hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. I know I did. I'm leaving with goosebumps. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a great talk today. Listen to some of the other podcasts that we've got out there on Podbean. So talk to you again later, guys. Get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>